0: Yo, what is up people? Gary here from Project Empowered. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to say a massive, massive thank you to everyone who tuned in to the show in 2020. We all know 2020 was a bit of a rough one. 2021 hasn't started off the greatest either, but every cloud has a silver lining. So it was amazing to see all of your love and all your support for last year um, and I really hope I can be of service to you guys and bring you astronomical amounts of value in 2021. So in today's exciting episode, I had the pleasure to pick the brains of Matt Lucas. Matt has been literally and figuratively around the block. Matt's practiced martial arts for over 35 years, so he is an authority in this space. He knows what he's talking about. I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and I came across this quote and the quote said, the body benefits from movement and the mind benefits from stillness. If that quote intrigued you, if that piqued your interest, make sure to stick around for this entire podcast episode as this is literally Matt's bread and butter. We dive deep into how he started his own business, his experience bumping into a Scottish guy in Prague when he was hitchhiking around Europe. Matt is a great storyteller and he has some phenomenal some phenomenal stories that he shared on today's episode. So be sure to stick around. And once again, thanks for tuning in to Project Empower. This is Project Empowered. I am Gary Tickle, and today I am joined by Matt Lucas. Matt's joining us from all the way over the pond in California. I'm actually pretty jealous of that, as we just received like two or three inches of snow last night. So <laughs> <laughs> there's quite a contrast in uh, in weather there. But Matt, you're the founder of Total BS Wellness, where you teach your students um, a whole plethora of different topics to do with uh, longevity and, and wellness, um, mm-hmm. you teach your students to utilize movement and still the mind, reconnect with spirit, and basically all encompassing for, like you're saying, uh, longevity and health and well-being. Yeah. So, you offer a, a host of different online courses as well, like we were talking about uh, off air where, again, you teach these subjects to your pupils. And I'd just like to say, Matt, welcome to Project Empowered.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, (laughs) thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure, (laughs) my pleasure. Um, And we were just discussing off air that you've been uh, practicing different forms of martial arts for, uh, is it over 35 years now?
1: Yeah, yeah, started as a little kid.
0: Yeah, so you uh, you know what you're talking about. And um, just so we can start giving some context to the listeners, are you able to give us a sort of uh, paraphrased version of where you are now, and then we'll deep, we'll deep dive into sort of how you got there, your past, your background, upbringing, um, and that sort of deal?
1: Yeah, so, so yeah, so I got this total BS wellness. And throughout all of my, I don't know, travels and experiences, I've, I've realized that there, there's never a shortage of people that want skill right everyone you know it's like whether you're learning to dance or play guitar or or learn martial arts and it's people like i want i want to lose weight or i want to get fit or i want to learn soccer or like anything and and i'd always tell people it's like the the stoics used to always say if you don't understand the before and the after and you're just focusing on the performance you're a monkey or a child pretending to be that performer in a field right and So I would always look at people and I would, and I I became kind of sick of hearing like all these great athletes I work with talk about how great they used to be before they blew their knee out or, you know, like I need to stretch. And I would say, well, you need a balancing sequence and that's where total BS stands for. But I also say BS stands for bullshit. And I say, everything is bullshit. If you're not doing the before and the after, and you're not showing up and practicing. So I just say, this is BS. Everything is bullshit. I could teach you anything in the world, but if you don't show up in practice, you cannot buy skill at all, ever. It's a hundred percent not going to work. So, and then if you buy the skill with your practice and you don't focus on the before and the after, then your skill is going to be very short-lived. And so I realized that there was a tremendous um, deficiency in our culture and in our, our practices for that, because, you come into my martial arts school. You want to learn to fight, so we can just focus you on that. And then we do like you know a ten minute warm up and then a ten minute cooldown. You know what I mean? But like I just I just started piggybacking with other schools, just saying you know I I'm just king of the warm ups, man. You know what I mean? And I just started sharing that, and then um, people started getting healthier and stronger. You know, once you're a boxer and you've thrown that jab a million times, we need to start balancing you out. Like you don't have to. I mean you know, and if you're always sparring, you're going to mess your brain up. All these studies are coming around now about like all these great fighters. You don't need to spar that hard. They don't need to play that. You know, it's your, you shouldn't always be scrimmaging. So that's what happened. And um, so I just kind of filled that gap. And then, then I just, then other people started realizing that um, that helps them too. So then I have students that, you know, have lost well over a hundred pounds and, they can move. You know, I have students that are like, I'm going, coming up on 60 and I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. And it's like, yeah, like martial arts in itself is a longevity practice. It wasn't fighting. It wasn't anything. You know, so this is the idea. It's like, like, how do we unwind your desire for vanity or desire for ego? And just like literally just understand that if you can just tap into your longevity, all that stuff goes away. And then now you're, you can feel again and you can move again. Yeah. So that's why I started it
0: nice and if we can cast your mind back to like the first uh, ever sort of experience you had with martial arts what what was that where was that who was that with um well i mean it's,
1: you know it all starts with movies you're a little kid you see bruce <laughs> lee and it's just like and my my dad was a special forces guy and so he he you know was really clear on the way you should start training so he um, I was also kind of a, I had, I had a little sway back issue, bow legs and kind of bad joints. And I was pretty weak and <laughs> uncoordinated and extremely, um, I was just, he just knew I was going to be getting beat up a lot. Cause I, you know, I was just that kid and I had no impulse control and I was full of rage. And so, um, it was first you need to learn to fall. Because there's not one human being that is exempt from gravity. So, like the first skill and the only skill, the only martial arts skill that everyone has to know, physical skill, is falling. So, he's like, you need to learn to fall. Your life is going to suck if you don't know how to. So, he threw me into judo when I was like a little kid and then started competing in that and then just kind of moved up, you know, the taekwondo and then moved into kickboxing. And then I found the Persian stuff. And the Persian stuff is next level. Um, it's a 5,000 year old tradition that just now people are starting to realize, you know, cause the truth is buoyant, right. And we push it down all the time, but then it's boom. I always say it's that buoy and jaws. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. throughout the movie, it just keeps popping up, you know, <laughs> and this is, and this is the, the whole idea behind it. So um, I, when I found that it's like, cause I'd learned enough about the actual physical skill, but the, stuff was about develop like a sphere of power or in a brain in every joint and then teach your body how to observe learn and adapt in real time it wasn't about fighting or anything because in the true war arts you know the ones that are for your life and are there to connect you with nature with the Tao it's not about fighting because that's competition and competition is a part of learning martial arts but nature there is no competition like you know, we, we will, we will disagree. Many people will be like, you know, it's survival of the fittest and stuff like that, but really it's always cooperative and it's always learning to listen. You don't know when it's going to start. Um, And we'd always say like tigers don't have to go to tiger class and then go put on their tiger outfit before they, you know, before they be, before they become a tiger, it's all about human being, not human doing. Right. And so that's what I really liked about the, the other work about studying movement, because if I, if all I know is how to punch, I forget the function of what it's doing. Why is it so efficient? Right. But if my brain only says it's to punch faces, you forget like, no, efficiency is efficient and inefficiency is inefficient. And maybe we might want to be efficient. Very simple. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 And I love that. That you just reminded me of a sort of old proverb that I'm Uh not sure where it came from, but know thyself. Yeah. Yeah that sort of ties in with with the understanding mm-hmm. of your a lot of people maybe would say know thyself would relate to your habits or like your inner workings but i feel like that applies to knowing your body knowing yeah how to move it knowing how to be efficient knowing how to function with it knowing how to control it right you know? and I, I, like you said i feel like martial arts is a a gateway into that um,
1: yeah, and it's it's a gateway into stress. You know, it's like you, you know you're you do contract work, right? And when you have a good toolbox, then when the problem arises, then you have the tool, right? But if you don't have it. the tool, it can be a little bit more stressful. So what we're trying to do in a dojo is give you a safe place to experience the ways you interact with the different stresses in your life, because you could be a great warrior, but then have a really hard time talking to a girl, right? Because it's all different stresses. And so to know thyself is to know that I'm really good in these extreme environments, but, I'm, but when I lay in bed at night, I don't like what I think, you know? And so don't run from that. Stop escaping into the extreme environments. You know, this is how escap- escapism starts. The dojo is to like lay out all of your deficiencies and demons, you know, and turn them into your allies and your angels and your, your assets build new tools. And that's, yeah, that is the, um, you know, the other phrases, if you can't walk with it, it doesn't exist. Right. So you might be the happiest person in the world in your home. Right. But like what happens when you're challenged out there, right. You might be peaceful on your yoga mat, but what happens when you go home for the holidays? Right. So if you're not peaceful, if you can't carry it into your life, you ain't peaceful. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, or or you become, you know, an escapist and like that is not knowing that, you know, you might be aware of that, you know, I just need a drink, right? You know, kind of thing, but you know, it's different.
0: Yeah. So does that tie in with um, situational mindfulness? Is that what that terminology would sort of tie into? Yeah. That- so I, okay. When
1: the shelter in place thing happened, I got contacted by a lot of different groups. Because I yeah you know, as, as I work with actors and you know kind of that world stunt people, but I also work with um, professionals in other fields. Uh, whether you're a first responder or just you're just a you know just I, I have some cop buddies and you know what I mean and a lot of people frequent this place. And what I realized was Americans started arming themselves, and um and. And then this guy comes up to me and he was this politician guy. And he was like, Hey, you know, the, the Chinese community, a lot of violence is going into the Chinese community, you know, cause it was the Chinese, you know, flu. Right. Um, and, and he was like, maybe, and gun sales were flying. And I was like, well, it's a, a weapon and technology represents a decision. Like the sword, the metaphor of the sword is a decision. It's not to kill. It's a decision that is going to have a lasting, almost finite result, right? And we have to understand a gun is even a simpler decision. You don't even need much discipline to have a gun, right? And so we're going to arm people that have, that have oftentimes never pursued the path to living with the decisions that you make, much less handing them such an effortless decision to make such a dramatic result. And I was like, the only thing that these people need to know, and I stand, and I'm hundred percent on this, they need situational, not even awareness because when I say situational awareness, people default to like military, but we don't need to be militarizing. We need to be mindful of the fact that like everyone is carrying a fear. Everyone's life has changed. And let's be mindful of providing sanctuary to them. Let's be mindful of the fears we're carrying into the room. And, and that's, the, the hyper vigilance of a military person is not what you need when you're walking through your neighborhood. You need, but if you are walking through a neighborhood like mine, which is miles of homeless encampments and there are just four shootings, just this probably this morning. And if you walk out that door, I mean, you know, I just saw a flaming shopping cart going on there. I mean, it's crazy out there. And so when you walk out that door, Turn on your senses, but don't walk through like you're checking everyone out and like you're in charge. And that's really important, I think. Um, and so, yeah, that's so the mindfulness is being mindful of what you're carrying, your story, your judgments, because that will affect the way that you and I communicate, right? If I walk in and I'm and I just don't like black hoodies, and I'm looking at you like I think I'm better than black hoodie dudes, like <laughs> you're gonna be like, what's up with this guy? You know, and now we've created a a shitty situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sticking on that, sorry, uh, sorry. Sticking on that military, um, that what you're saying about the military awareness. Off air, you were you were saying that you have done a lot of travelling in your younger mm -hmm. years because uh, your father was in the military. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? For so, I'll just give you my experience. Like I was, I've always stayed in Edinburgh, so I've grew up with sort of the same faces, the same guys, the same Mm -hmm. places. I've never really been taken out of my own environment like mm-hmm. that. And I'm I'm curious to to find out how you found that because that's a lot of new faces and a lot of new places more often than is typical when someone's been when you're growing up. Well it's
1: it's cool. Like uh you know there's there's certain um personalities that that some some thrive in the constant change and some don't I love the constant you know it's like I loved being in I said I think my brother had mentioned it was I think it's something like 13 elementary schools right like that's how many you know like by the third grade right that's a lot and but here's the thing like when you're young to know thyself right you're trying things out all the time right so after the fourth or fifth time after the fourth or fifth school that you've gone and you've like tried to like wear the awesome outfit and you get beat up or like you go and you try to be the funny guy and then you try to be that you know it's like you it's really funny because you get practice and so um, this is why I'm so into the awareness thing because I tell people all the time like once you've been in that many schools the, by the fifth or sixth elementary school you go to you need one recess to know where you stand that's all you need now. You know, that's the funny guy. That's the cool guy. That's the, you know, and, and you know, that's the, the, that's the smart person. I'm going to be borrowing some paper from that person. You know, you know, it, you, you just know. And so I'm really happy that I had that experience to be able to, like, travel um, that much. Like, so my dad got out of the military when we were born, uh, like, before we were born. And, but he got into radio. And so then we are traveling with radio stations and he also worked for like NASCAR and all these other things. So we are just constantly in a new place. And, um, you know, I really, I benefited from it. Um, I love it because you get practice and you learn there's the same, it's like, I know you're a snowflake, but at the same time, like there's one of you everywhere. There's one of me everywhere and be okay with that. You know, and that's,
0: yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What was what would you say was the favorite your favorite place that you spent time on when you were moving mm. about um well, they all had their
1: magic um like Alabama was really cool because we lived right up above this gun store, and you could go down and buy ninja stars <laughs> you know like and I mean, we were like in the first grade, and the guy would just totally sell you weapons, you know that's awesome <laughs> and uh I loved, um, I mean, we mainly grew up in Pensacola, Florida, Gulf Breeze, Florida, this area. The panhandle of Florida is magical because it's, uh, it's the Redneck Riviera. So you're always around crazy dudes and big trucks and, and beautiful beaches. And, you know, there's something really, really magical about that spot. Um, I really liked, I mean, we lived in Iowa. So it was like our only kind of relationship with snow. And, um, that was cool. You know, snow, a snowy cornfield and you get the, um, that's where we started, uh, you know, the, the judo and the the wrestling stuff, you know, the Iowa's super, super. I mean, the Iowa wrestling scene is pretty big. And so, um, good education out there, strong people. You get to see children that are every morning before school, they're throwing hay bales and working on the farm and, you know, there's that, but I mean, we mainly settled in Florida and, um, you know that you gotta love florida it's just yeah space and water <laughs> and things that'll kill you you know and it, yeah it's pretty great
0: <laughs> that was the only uh that's the only place i've been like we were like we were talking about that's the mm-hmm. only place i've been in america and i thought it was i loved it there i loved it there yeah and uh your travels took you over the pond to yeah quite a few different places actually mm-hmm. in europe um but you were talking about in ireland you had uh yeah, a gig out there in Ireland. Um, are you yeah. able to discuss sort of what what was involved with that? Because it sounds like a really cool. Uh, cool yeah, gig.
1: it was. Um, so a buddy of mine, uh, this guy Daniel Wu. I started training him. He was getting ready for this TV show called Into the Badlands, and then so I started training him for that TV show, and he produced it and whatever. And um, still, you can see if you go on my Instagram, there's talks with he and I, and I mean he's over here all the time. He's part of my bubble now, but at that time he was a guy that was you know needed to needed to get back to kicking and so we got him working and um he's a baller he was with Jackie Chan for like 10 years or something he's just he's amazing and now he's like the Brad Pitt of the rest of the world and um so he we were training and then um then they were shooting over in Ireland and then he said hey you know we could really use this for the the cast and the crew you know we're going to be here for a long time and um, so I was like, yeah, I will come out. And so went out there and uh, so I was training the, a lot of the cast and doing a lot of the kind of health wellness stuff, body work and things like that. And then um, he also threw me on as a stunt guy as well. So like one of the core stunt, stunt performers on the show. And that was fun. It's called Into the Badlands. It was on AMC, we did three seasons and, um, and got to meet some great people. Ireland is some hardworking people. I just kind of like that working class. Um, but there's something special about y'all's area, like Ireland, Scotland. It's like, it's so wet and dark. So like so much good art comes out of there too. And um, when I was in Ireland, it made me realize why the poetry is the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's heavy, place is heavy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I've I've never been to Ireland yet, yet, but I would like to go. You never quite made it up to Scotland though. Um, No, no. But you did meet, a really cool Scottish dude. Um, when you were back, uh, was it bag bike packing? Is that the right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah tripping yeah. around yeah. Europe. Um, yeah. Are you to tell Manjok. us that story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Scott Manjock was a truck driver, so um, I was yeah. I did the typical go to Europe after high school, or sorry, after college. The 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 gap, but I went there on. Um, you could do what's called air hitch back in the day. And it was, it was basically you just buy a voucher and you can just go to anywhere that the plane was going. And the voucher was good for like a year or something like that. It's called air hitch. I got to Europe, lost all my money and then ended up just kind of traveling around. And then this guy, me and me and a buddy hitchhiked, we hitchhiked across Europe. When I was, done with all the stuff that i did out there i had some run-ins in eastern europe with like nazis and all kinds of stuff it was a, it was ridiculous because the wall had just fallen it was pretty intense and um and then i just remember waking up i was in berlin or uh no prague and i was like i just gotta i gotta get out of here i met these guys they're in the uk and so i just stick my thumb out and um this insane Scottish guy picks me up, just covered in tattoos and just never stopped cussing. And he was the nicest man in the world. He's like, you want chocolate? You know, he was just like so <laughs> into shit. And, um, and we got along. And so as I was going, like he was, I was like, yeah, you can just drop me off anywhere. He's like, no, you're not, you know, he's like, you're not walking, you know, you're not. And so everywhere we would go, he would just call ahead. And he would just be like, I got this guy. He's awesome. And you know, he's like, he's like, buy him a meal and we're going to take him all the way, you know? And he just, he literally set it up to where I could get all the way I made it all the way to um to the UK next thing I'm at the University of Leeds hanging out with some of my friends yeah it was crazy (laughs) thanks to a just a Scottish like that thug love of like you know like just they want to put their arm around you and they just (laughs) want to you know and and it was yeah it was it was great I love I wish I was still in touch with him because that was in like 95
0: that Scottish hospitality oh (laughs) yeah. <laughs> so what was that running with Nazis? I could, I can't not ask that. What that story was uh, about? There is,
1: a, there are a few. Um, but my favorite Jeez. one, and this is what taught me about hate. Like, I feel that one of the most important things right now is people need to be allowed. People need to normalize hate, and the reason, and it this triggers a lot of people because they they're not thinking beyond their own judgments. And your judgment is your opinion, and that's it what i learned was um first off if we think of hate like i don't there's not a child alive that has ever that has really hasn't said i hate you mom and then they and they do they hate their parents in that moment right and what fixates us in those states is if that parent um just beats the crap out of the kid and develops an organization to take down the kid and make sure that kid never works again right but if the kid just if they say go to your room The kid goes to their room and they come back and there's like food on the table. The hate goes away. You always have to give the demons space to leave. Right. And so I had me and this guy from Indonesia and um, we needed money. And so this guy goes, Hey, there's a festival going on in this farm in East, Eastern East Germany. He's like, it's a couple hours away. You know, do you guys want to bring a sound system and do sound. Cause I was, I was performing a lot of music and I'm a pretty decent sound engineer. So we went out there and we set up the sound system, big sound system, you know, and the stage is there. And then we just go to this farmhouse and we're hanging out. And the, the owner of the farm was kind of looks at me, looks at me. And I had dreadlocks like down on my waist. I look kind of Jewish. And uh, he goes, he just kind of looks at me and he just slides this box over. And then the box was a gun. And he was just kind of like, just kind of looks at me like good luck and I was like huh and it was me and a guy from Indonesia and we walk up to the sound because the show's about to start and we're going to walk up to sound to, to do to sound check the bands and um, there's like a couple thousand people there chanting we want war <laughs> and it's just a bunch of Nazis and we're just oh. like and so we grab the soundboard and we move it behind the table or move it behind the big wall of speakers to where they can't see us so then some, the shows go on, it's all this punk rock and things are breaking and I know how to fix things. So I kept running on stage and fixing things and changing guitar strings and the drums would fall over. So I'd fix that. And every time I'd run on stage, I would just look out, you know, I'm like, and then you just see all these Nazis like, ah, you know, and just like, just pissed. And, and, um, and then there's a big speech and all this stuff and they're chanting. And then at the end of the night, they're surrounding our van. And I was like, shit, man, we're going to die. They're going to kill us. And I kind of had the gun and I'm thinking like, what am I going to do with this gun? I'm going to kill like, you know, 10 of them. And then, then they're just going to murder us, right? And so I was like, you know, screw it. Let's, and, then, um, and then the main guy, he was the drummer in the, lead, in, the, in the main band. He gave a speech and then he looks over at those guys and he says something in German. And then they walk over and they help us load our gear. And I was like, hey, thanks. You know, and he goes, look. And he spoke a little English. He goes, you helped me, you fixed my drums, you fixed his guitar, you fixed this, you set up this. He goes, he goes you know, we couldn't have done this without you. And, I, and then I, and I said, okay, um, I was like, thank you very much. And um, I asked him his name and then his name was Sasha. And then I said, you were the best musician tonight. And I'm like, you played the hell out of your drums, man. And I was like, who's your favorite drummer? And he just looked at me and he named some guy. And I was like, never heard of him. Can I hear him? And he goes, yeah, and, I, and he, he's like, he goes to his car, he gets a tape. We put it in the van, we listen. And I was like, whoa, and he goes, who are you listening to? And I was like, I'm listening to this Maceo Parker, James Brown's band live. I'm listening to this live, like, it's like a James Brown live thing. And um, come to find out he'd never heard black music and James, and so Maceo Parker and the drummer do this breakdown. And it's probably one of the sickest drum breaks of all time. And he was just like, <laughs> and you saw him. And sure enough, you know, he, he has the CD. And he, he, next thing you know, I get this, I, we exchanged numbers and he was like, what is this music? And then he literally, I swear to you, two, two weeks later, he's in Berlin. He's playing drums in like a, in a hip hop band, he's volunteering at an all black youth center. He is no longer a Nazi. (laughs) And what I realized was he didn't even know that there was another world out there. And so, but if I would have told him that he was wrong for being a Nazi, like we would have just fought it out. I'd probably be dead. It would never happen. But like by opening up and like talking to him and being interested in what he's interested in. Yeah, he's super rad now. He just, his dad was a Nazi. He was raised behind a wall, you know, in East Germany. He didn't know any different. So, yeah. So that was like one of my, that's probably not only one of my favorite Nazi stories, (laughs) but it's probably one of my, one of probably the most life-changing events of my life. Yeah. Like it taught me how to be bigger and how to truly love even in the face of hate. Like,
0: yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Seems like that, he, that dude was a product of his environment, but you sort of had a, a, sh- a shared interest that sort of broke down that, that sort of wall. Yeah, um, it's just ignorance. He just didn't even know. Yeah. So then yeah. That, was, that was in Berlin. Where else did your, your travels take you in Europe that, that uh, you thought was, that stands out in your memory?
1: Um, it's, it's all Eastern Europe is great, especially like right after the wall fell because it was so new. Um, you would get these people that are, um, you know, I was playing in rock bands and, you know, American rock and roll, like rock and roll's not, it's going to make a comeback because anytime there's social unrest, rock and roll is important, right? Rock and roll is, is, is important as it gets. Like take a jazz band to South America, like 40 people will show up. Maybe 2,000, but when Iron Maiden goes to South America, 200,000 people show up because it just releases that valve. And I was in that time; I was playing rock rock music, and to be a rock and roll band in oh, in Eastern Europe was just it's just crazy. And um and to see what it means to still be um grateful right? Because, you know, as a lot of people, there's, you know, times were pretty hard at that time. And um, just the simple thing, like bringing art to people was just profound. And, you know, just on the small scale that I was doing it, and then going to Berlin, and then sharing, like Berlin was super open at that time, you know, the East opened up to the West. And so to share things to people that they're seeing it for as an American, we take it for granted, you know, I mean, you just go to any record store, and there's everything. And I'm, playing in bands so I'm around you know I'm seeing five ten bands a week so it's like it was nothing to me but it made me like check myself it made me just say oh yeah there are people that this is important and um yeah it's just like getting medicine in schools to people like people also need art and ways to express themselves and yeah
0: yeah so, see, so it see almost almost feels like to me that music could be considered a universal language you know it you is know? the yeah music and math yeah, do you agree with that? Do you feel like, feel the same 100%? Yeah,
1: and you know if if you look at the phrase like, you know, humans were made in God's image, right? And I'm not even going in the spiritual world, but I'm just saying if we look at that metaphor and we break it down, the essence of God was the creator. And the reason why we're in their image is we have this brain and this brain allows us to be creative because human beings we can't move together. Literally like there's a reason why there's so many traffic accidents cuz we don't know how to move together. But music, boom, aligns you 100%. And then the other thing that I, that I always tell people is like the creative aspect of the arts, martial arts, music, stuff like that. Um, music took pain and suffering and sorrow and turned it into the greatest export America has ever created, right? Yeah, we treated people like shit. We had slavery and we have oppression, but we also, out of that came R&B and the blues, and rock and roll, right? America has never created Anything more influential, right? Other than that, we just make good bombs and mediocre cars, right? But our, the art that came out of here because of our shitty decisions, music turned it into something beautiful. Martial arts turned war into health. You know what I mean? That's crazy, right? How do you turn the most, the greatest atrocity between humans into like pure consciousness and enlightenment? That's fucking rad so yeah that's why i stick to them i always say like whenever anyone's a complete badass at anything you're either going to say dude you're like a ninja or you're like a rock star <laughs> that's it
0: yeah when you're a badass absolutely. at something
1: no one's ever going to be like wow you're like a soccer player at that no one's ever going <laughs> to say that <laughs> no nah. no but you're either a rock star or you're a ninja <laughs> it's yeah. straight up so like you know that's
0: why i love those things i feel i feel that i feel that. Um, yeah. I actually had a some experience with martial arts when I was younger. I started Taekwondo when I was four and f- I think I stopped it when I was 14. So 10 years. Oh,
1: whoa. You're and
0: legit. Yeah. I lo- <laughs> it was, it, I loved it. It was, Yeah. um, I got my black belt when I was like 10. So I was yeah. young. And then, but the, the thing that I almost wish I maybe started it later because I was 14 years old and I, I had my, you couldn't get your second Dan until I was 16. Yeah. So there was like this gap of six years where I almost just fell out of love with it, fell out of interest of it. I was at mm-hmm. high school, which um, a load of different other interests interfered and, and whatnot. So I kind of wish it, I started it later, but the discipline that you learn, you learn from it, commitment, you know, all of these things, the conviction, uh, just... I almost feel like it, martial arts should be incorporated in like the school and system or the education system in, in some form yeah. because it just teaches these different disciplines, uh, different uh, like skills that can dramatically, dramatically change the outcome of someone's life. If people saw
1: the synapses that fire in children when they learn how to wrestle, and do like judo because you're dealing with this three-dimensional space and pushing and pulling and all that stuff. If they saw what happened in their brain versus like basically every parent would build a Thunderdome. But for some reason we will give like, you'll give them an iPad. And if you saw what happened to that child's brain and that nervous system, when they look at that iPad, you, you would, it would just drive you crazy, right? Like, you know, I mean, there, there's that thing where, you know, they. I don't know if it's true, but I mean, I, I know some people that are very close. It's like, Steve Jobs did not let his children look at an iPad, you know what I mean? Cause it's, it's gonna make your kids stupid. Um, but they, if you teach them to wrestle, and then what it does is it teaches, as we were talking about earlier, problem solving under stress, man. Like how to be conscious and kind, even under stress how to serve somebody like I'm punching the pad, but now it's your turn. So now I'm going to hold the pad. I'm going to gently put myself in harm's way. You have to take responsibility for the way you treat me. I have to take responsibility for the way I treat you. How cool is that? Like, um, there's a, an old guru. He used to say, you know, the, the one word definition for heaven is responsibility. And the one word definition for hell is blame. Right. And martial arts is all about taking responsibility all the time. it's not about fighting it's not but the fighting is a stressful moment you know and it's kind of it it, that that helps you get in there and solve those problems and learn to deal with that moment right um and it it helps but you don't have to fight we just need to find the stress that you engage with and remove that resistance around it you know was it uh the special forces guys would say and I, I say this all the time too, like you always want to be seeking stress and seeking wisdom because you don't want stress and wisdom to find you first.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I've never heard that before.
1: St- yeah, if stress finds you, it sucks. If wisdom finds you, it's even worse.
0: <laughs> you yeah. don't
1: want wisdom to find you.
0: Yeah, that usually, yeah. that seems like to me that you've probably probably been naive to it and it's, it's crept up behind you through your decisions mm-hmm. when wisdom Big finds time. you. Yeah. Um, just, just uh, sticking on that well, that martial arts sort of theme, uh, topic we're discussing. I seen uh, that on your website that you that uh, martial arts sort of, as though, although we have connotations of it being maybe a violent thing, which I think both of us know that that's not the case for all levels of martial arts. Mm-hmm. But am I right in saying that that if you were to look far enough down the origins of it, it comes sort of back to like the practice of like yoga and different mm-hmm. practices like that. Is that, is that incorrect? Yeah. I mean, yeah, many people say that yoga was the first martial
1: art. Um, not a lot of the yoga that traveled around because a lo- there, there are different classes of people in yoga. I mean, there's, you know, the Vira and Pashu. The Vira is the hero, the Pashu, the working class, or the, um, you have these other, Um, You have people that, you know, just like in our culture today, you have people that travel and share things and you just have the people that are sitting at home farming, you know, or, or, you know, they're with their families and they don't get out there and they don't share their culture as much. But if we look at a lot of the, um, I I remember doing this workshop a long time ago and this, all these UFC kind of, you know, MMA guys were there. And um, there's this old Brazilian red belt teaching this workshop. And he and I were teaching at the same time. And I was like, shit, no one's coming to mine." And then I started doing the functional um, sort of applications of yoga poses in jujitsu and in that realm of wrestling and martial arts. And that old dude, he just stopped everyone, said, this is our roots. It all comes from what he's doing. He stopped his workshop and brought everyone over to mine. And if you look at Hicks and Gracie, he's, he's a yogi, like all these guys are, are yogis, but the, the, the creative mind has to be able to take away the dogma of like Indian people move this way and Chinese people breathe. You know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 no. Like that's dogma. That's buying into ignorance. Every human being has had healthy, every culture has had healthy people, has had a system of health. Every culture started at a time before police officers and back when you had to take responsibility for the cause and effect of your decisions. And like I was telling you, like when we are walking through this world in your small tribe, um, your tribe is either bringing forth allies or it's not, you know what I mean? And and hopefully you're modeling a culture um, that is taking responsibility, that is modeling something that we can learn from each other and is open and sharing. And um, that's kind of the whole idea of martial practice. But now Mm -hmm. I got to make rent. So I got to figure out what side you want to, but I'm not not as concerned about what you want to learn because we all sort of, um, there's things that turn us on. And then hopefully once we get turned on with it, we can start integrating the things that are going to, again, balance that out. Because if you study um, healing arts, uh, most... Injury is created from imbalance or, and, and then the rule is pain is fixation. Fixation is pain. So if all you want to do is fight or if all you want to do is meditate and you're fixated in that, you will be in pain.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, so what, what, are some, what are some examples of healing arts?
1: Um, so uh, w- whether it's Qigong, whether it's stretching, but like, for example, if you're always stretching, maybe your healing art is going and taking some powerlifting, right? Get mm-hmm. strong, right? You just, it's a, a whole life study is yin and yang. That's your whole life study. Everything, yin and yang is in everything. And if we can start seeing yin and yang in everything, um, we can start saying, oh yeah, yeah, like I'm always always—I'm always doing like this structured event. Maybe I need to go off and not be so structured. But then like someone like me, um, for example, I was always traveling around. and um, And so my healing art was, find a place, build it out, and sit there. And I've never done anything more important to my growth, you know what I mean? (laughs) Because normally it was new experience, new experience, new experience, right? But that's a fixation. And I was wondering why nothing was feeding me anymore. I was just becoming more of a, what they call the hungry ghost. You know, you're just eating and it's falling out the bottom. So there's that. Um, Then you have like bone setting, bone setting uh, where you're from they'd probably call it osteopathy a good osteopath right pt stuff like that um and that is where your healing arts go so like for example if i'm doing an arm bar like snapping your arm right technically i'm just a low level doctor <laughs> you know what i mean that's it like a scalpel in the hands like if i were to just hand you a scalpel and be like do surgery on your mom yeah your mom ain't going to come out you know what i mean but like the better you get at martial arts the more you become a healer and that's the key, right? That's the key. So like what I was telling you earlier, it's easy to kill things, hard to bring them to life, right? So low level martial artists are beating the crap out of things, learning their basic, learning how to move the head, keep the hands up, right? And then as you go, it's it's funny if you watch someone deal with a punch, right? At first it's a flinch, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then later, and it could be anger and they fight back. And then later you punch they're just like, you know, they're just moving, you know, and their eyes are open and wide. And then later when, when that punch is coming, they're not just moving. It's moving and hitting like three or four things happen at the same time. Right. And you're just adding. And then later you just realize like people don't even punch at me anymore. Now I coach. Now I help. Now I help your shoulder because you punch too much, you know, and now I I keep moving and it's your life. It tells a story. It's cause and effect.
0: Yeah. Mm Yeah. Okay. So it also seems with like the balance is a, like you're saying yeah. with yin and yang, is that another? So, so the balance is an important thing as yeah, well. Totally. Yeah, and sure. if you're not
1: seeking balance, you know, it'll, again, then the wisdom will find you, mm-hmm. right? You're not seeking balance. You're not stretching and you just, all you want to do is just run on the field, run on the field, run on the field, run on the field. And then you're 25 and now your knee's gone. And I remind people like martial arts was created at a time before knee surgery. Right. So you, you will have to train a little bit differently because a long time ago, when your knee goes, you just kind of dead and worthless. You know what I mean? But now our technology has allowed us for greater physical um, achievement, but it's also allowed us to ch- kind of train a little bit more irresponsibly. Like I know young people that and you're like, whoa, how did you do that? But talk to them when they're 23 and to max out, and to blow yourself out by that age, um, you know that's a, I'm a huge fan of Bruce Lee, but I would say Bruce Lee was a, Bruce Lee burned himself out. You really think he was a good martial artist because he died in his 30s. He was a spectacle. he was a pioneer, he was a great performer but you know in a, in a, in a system that was designed to protect you, your culture and your family. yeah. He died in his (laughs) thirties. Like just straight up, you know, that's not, that's not good martial arts. He was awesome at what he did for the time that he did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, that'd be like someone selling you a car and that car goes really fast for two miles. And you're like, this car's a piece of shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I get that. I get that. And, uh, when you're earlier, you're talking about jujitsu and, um, X and Gracie and whatnot, they guys, I remember uh, I was on a, a YouTube video or a podcast I was watching where he done some really strange manipulation of his abdomen and and
1: yeah, nolly breath. Yeah,
0: is that what it's called? So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. these guys are yeah. uh, manipulating their breath and doing yeah. different, these different breath holds. Yeah, like, what's the? Is is that pretty? Is that like something that made them like? so much better than everyone else is that is the breath some is that something that was like key to them or is that something that was just in their culture if that makes sense
1: yeah so that's a it's an old indian trick um you know it's kind of like uh like a lot of people like talk about wim hof and all these breathing techniques now and it's like trace it all back to india whatever you think you made up go four or five hundred years back to either india or africa they've been doing it for a long time and um i say western world is always about 400 years behind in our wellness um when He's doing that, like, the whole principle of it is, is, is funny. Remember I say, like, tigers don't need to put on tiger clothes and get all pumped up to become a tiger, right? You're a tiger. And so Hickson was, Hickson's a tiger. And the breathing slows, it, it controls your nervous system. So when you can control your nervous system, you control your consciousness, you control your decision-making, and you're no longer funneling in when you get, you know, like, you're no, no longer, the, you're, you're wide, And when you're wide and you're relaxed um, and you can control, like his his nervous system is probably so balanced through that breathing because your diaphragm is the referee of your nervous system, right? And when you can control that and you can control the way breath enters and exits your body because that's your fuel and it's the gauge of the way you're going to make decisions, which is your nervous system. Then one of the reasons why he was so successful is he would go into fights like, and his heart rate would be down probably the like. 40 beats a minute you know but then you have the other guy coming in they're like yeah and they're getting pumped up you know and they're having to leave their body to become a tiger right that's unsustainable that adrenaline is there to get you out of the jam so he would get there and he would just be like calm and then he would go in and so then by the time this person is they start fighting this person's already at max heart rate and he's probably just up to like getting like warm and they're gonna gas out. And he's still calm. He's making decisions with consciousness. And it's okay when you can do that like monkey on monkey, you know, this versus this, it's fine. You just see who, which monkey has the biggest bicep, right? But when monkey meets chess player person that thinks from A and jumps all the way to D instead of A, then that makes B, you know, no, he's just, he just, he's just manipulating because the monkey reacts and the human responds, right? So the breathing is gonna keep you from being you know, that, you know, you, you, you ever seen like when someone like sitting in a, in a movie theater and you like look up and then you run, you know, there's gonna be a lot of people that are just gonna run. <laughs> but A guy like Hickson would be like, and he would make a decision. And that's what I, this is what, this is what all that breathing helps you do. It helps you tap back into who you are. Know thyself, right? And uh, yeah, that's so, he, he was in control of his nervous system, which mm-hmm. teaches you how to make decisions. And a lot of people forget about that. Like when you talk to even like special forces guys or whatever, people think they're running around shooting stuff. It's like, no, they're making decisions. Emotional intelligence is way more important in that realm than the size of your gun. Like that, if you, if you have the craziest weaponry and technology possible, but you don't know how to make decisions, you're just going to make reactions that you can't live with. And that's, you know, welcome. <laughs> yeah, so Hickson was a master at controlling his nervous system and his thoughts and you know, yeah. mind, body, and spirit all the time.
0: How how important is that to have in your toolkit to be able to manipulate your breath or have your breath under such control to regulate your your regulate yourself, your emotions, your reactions. How important is that to actually have in your toolkit? It's, well, it's funny cause
1: there's not a thing, uh, uh, it, there's not a high level performer that doesn't always take a breath. Whether you're given birth or whether you're a sniper, it's all in the breath. And this is important, but, and that's what, and yoga, you know, means to unify. And what you're trying to do is unify breath with movement. So like if I'm gonna take my arm and I'm just gonna go from here to here, all I'm gonna do is choose an inhale and an exhale. So I'm gonna exhale here, inhale here, exhale. And if we understand nature versus technology, um, I tell everyone imagine a sailboat versus a speedboat, right? So like speedboat, you hear the engine and it goes and then it, but in a sailboat, the breath or the wind blows. And then it moves. And that's how you control, that's how you move with your breath. So when I tell people, like, once you've done your push ups, like, choose, like, inhale down, exhale up, right? Just, you know, inhale, load, exhale, unload. But lead with the breath. Don't, because most people go, ah. you know, they're doing that. And then at the end, ah. you know, they're not connected. But if you can just, And you notice there's no like sharpness between, it's not, you know, now you're you're trying too hard. It's resistance and resistance makes you have to tap into strength. And then when you remove resistance, you have power, right? And that's the difference. And so what we're trying to do is remove the resistance, stop trying to achieve strength, let go and actually be open and receive power, like like feel. And that's kind of what all of that moving with the breath. Super, super important, man. And again, breath is your fuel. You, when you run out of oxygen, things get hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start, when did you first, when, when was the moment that you thought, I want to make a business, a career, out of helping others achieve health, longevity, wellness, help others know thyself when did you when did that first click when did the coin drop for that
1: um i you know it it kind of um it didn't uh i never i you know it's like i don't think i ever i never wanted to teach martial arts um what i remember like one of the defining moments is i remember i was in this bar we were on tour and i, I walked over to this other bar and there was a jerk of a bouncer, and he, and he was showing off how he, you could tell he just like took like one of his first Wing Chun classes and he was doing this stuff. And then throughout the night, then I saw him punch a like a scrawny hippie. And, um, and then I kind of went up and talked to him and talked to those guys. I'm like, oh, you've been doing, we-? and then, then we trained after I, I went and played at this other club and then we, then we would trained afterwards. And then he enjoyed it. And then we started talking about this stuff. And then I just started training with people, just being like, I'm working on this. I'm working on this. I'm working on this. And I trained a couple of these bouncers and security guys. And I actually did some bouncing some security too. And so then I, when I was touring in bands, um, I always had you know, I had my kettlebell and my jump rope and I would just be doing my thing. And then I would just invite people to train and people hadn't seen a lot of the things that I was doing. People weren't in, in the South, especially in like in the deep South in the nineties, like no one knew, no one was doing yoga. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I was just sharing a lot of that stuff and people were, it was helping people. And then over the course of, you know, 10 years, um, I find myself in California. And then, you know, I, I was playing at this bar and the bartender who's, he's the guy that I do, um, the astrology talks with on my site uh he was the bartender instagram yeah yeah Yeah. he was the bartender it's like 20 years ago and um we started training together and then next thing you know people just kept coming around and i i was on my way. i just wanted to be a rock star I was in a band we were getting a record deal and then and then the i guess the other defining moment was i also um i needed to train for something and um there's a couple, I went to rent out this place and then a teacher didn't show up. And then, so I worked with this group of kids because their teacher didn't show up. So I just trained them and they liked me. I liked them. And then, so then I was like, screw it. And so then I started working with this youth program. And a lot of those kids are still in my life today. Like 20 years later or 18 years later, they're in their twenties. And I met them when they were like four. <laughs> and, um, and so I have them and still in my life. And so I worked with them for, I mean, we had a program. I mean, that that program saw like ten thousand kids a year, and I worked with them for like eleven years. And then, um, and another one that really happened was, um, I was I was in this band, and I remember I was like hanging out with all these debaucherous, crazy cokehead rock star guys, and and then I have to come back to this one class that I was teaching, and then there's this little kid looking at me and he apparently got in trouble at school and he was like terrified that I was gonna learn that I that he got in trouble. And I'm like, dude, do you have any idea where I just came from? You know, like, <laughs> but I was like, oh shit. Like I'm that person to you that my teachers were to me. And at that moment I quit that band. I stopped everything and I just devoted. Cause I was like, I'm either gonna be in this world where it's a bunch of adults trying to just debaucherous and just crazy and some of the most beautiful people in the world. Like I have nothing bad to say about them, but by partaking in, you know, sex drugs and rock and roll versus partaking in putting these young people out into the world, making conscious decisions, I'm investing in the people that are going to take care of you and me. Right. And um, you, I mean, you're the, you're the age of that kid right now. You know what I mean? So it's, so I just realized like, Um, I needed to learn how to give a shit about something other than myself. And those kids taught me that, Yeah, I didn't think any, I didn't even think that kid knew my name. I was literally just like, man, I'm nothing to you guys. Cause I was nothing to myself. And so once I realized that I was like, oh man, I gotta, you know, I gotta get my shit. I gotta get my shit
0: together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It seems like that role reversal really played on you. That was almost an epiphany moment for you.
1: It made um, it made everything happen because I believe thoughts, words, and actions have to be in line. And if they're not, we're open to you know our integrity has holes, and we're open to whatever demons want to get in there, right? And by looking at that kid and seeing what happened, the way he looked at me, um, it's it's funny too because like when you're on your own, you're searching for teachers, and you know there's that cheesy thing about you know the children teach me. Um, no they they taught me that like kids are little punks but that moment right there like not only taught me but it it changed my my entire like 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 nothing shifted the course of my life more than that little dude his name is bishop and i'll never forget him he is the most profound person and you know he these these young people and and I'm grateful because like these young people I've gotten to tell them that you know what I mean like I get to tell them like um, you know you guys think I'm this thing to you but like you have no idea what you are to me like no idea and so you know to be able to tell these kids now that they're in their 20s like how valuable they were to just uh, this middle-aged dude's development as a ama- I mean it yeah is just warms my heart every second.
0: It's funny how things work out like that. Yeah. Um, What would you say to someone who is maybe considering starting some form of movement, martial art, some form of practice but they don't know where to start, they're a bit scared, a bit apprehensive of starting this, this thing that maybe has some connotations in their head of being something that they can't do?
1: Um, I would first tell everyone like martial artists are the nicest people in the world. The only people nicer than martial artists are like roller skaters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so martial artists are, you know, find the group that you trust and find the group that is, that knows that you have something to do tomorrow. Right? Like if you, if you go and you want to go to the extremes and you want to be a competitor, you got to ask yourself, do you have a job? Do you have, responsibilities and are these people going to look out for you knowing that you know if they break your wrist you have to go to work tomorrow and if you can't go to work tomorrow that's missing the point of what martial arts is for it's to make you capable and to make your capacity grow um i would also tell people to go slow unwind their desires like their only goal should be to slowly discover that they might not know exactly what they're goals are. So the goal should be to just empty. That's what I I would say the bow makes. That's what the bow means to me. It's not it. Yes, it's showing respect, but it's also pouring your head out, pour out all of your ideas, pour out all of your desires, and just know that the, the desire and the goal that we should be trying to get to is showing up and being able to see, like, if people are always asking, like, you know, what do I practice? What do I practice? It's like, you literally do the same thing over and over and over again. Like, I have this thing called the five elements of practice, and it's literally taking just standing on your feet, face down to the floor, like a push up, and then on your back. And it turns that into I can turn that into a four hour workout, just knowing how to approach those positions with creativity and practice. And so, if we can truly study how to practice and truly know that just, you know, five, 10 minutes a day without eroding our bodies away is um, because nature works in a couple ways. Like the academic world says, I need to achieve this result by this time. And then that bleeds over into our adulthood where then people are like, I want to lose weight by summer. You know what I mean? Or I'm getting married. I got to lose 10 pounds. And that is how you break, Right. But the rules in nature, the Tao, the way, it says nature never hurries and accomplishes everything, right? That's important. Don't <laughs> hurry. You'll accomplish everything. Don't hurry, especially with your body, because everything has to integrate, right? And so that's important. Like, you don't want to put your car up to 1,000 horsepower and not get better axles, transmission, and tires, right? So don't hurry. Go slow. Um, then uh, the other one is nature also works in compounding interest. So like compounding one makes two makes four makes eight makes, you know, and then it goes, that's atomic energy. Right. And so if we know that just by building that little, you know, practice for five minutes, then, then in a week, you might be able to practice for 10 and then 30 and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if you just go in and you're like, I love this, it makes me um, there's the, the guy that our buddy trains under, he calls it revelation porn. This guy, Lu Ming, and you just, you want that revelation. And, you, and this is what coaches we work off of. We work off making you have that aha moment, but, but a, a good coach will bring that back down to your breath. Are you excited? Yeah. Excitement makes you careless, slow down. Like, don't be excited now. Like now, once you're excited, take, take a step back, take a breath, re-engage and feel right. And then that's, that's what I, I, I tell that to everyone. Like, your goal should be to feel, to be conscious, to know that if you stick with it, the compounding interest starts going. And um, uh, it's, it, it's um, I, I don't know, have you ever done any gardening?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. When you start your garden, you're like, dude, this is boring and it's slow. But then once the garden starts growing, you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't keep up. <laughs> and that's important with, that's nature, right? Um, But like our academic mind says, no, 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 no. Summer's coming, sleeves need to come off, right? So then you go, you go, you burn out. And then next thing you know, your brain, your opinion, your emotion got in the way because that's not you anyway, that's your monkey, right? The monkey's like, I want this thing and it's gonna get me the girl and it's gonna, and it's now, stop, it's your ego, throw it away. So that's why I tell people all the time, like find a community that is looking out for your best interest. And if they're not, it's your responsibility to look out for your best interest. So just get in there, go slow, find a technique, go home and do it, you know, 10, 20 times when you're waiting for your tea to boil, boom, boom, you know, just like, just, you know, just, and just have fun with it. Nice. Like nice. this bullshit about go hard. No, don't go hard. I mean, unless you, you know, it's like build up to go hard, small moments of going hard will help you. But like, you know, it's,
0: mm not mm. not a fan it hurts too
1: many people right now i feel build that. consciousness then go hard
0: so obviously with the, all the things that are going on at the minute with lockdowns shelter in places what would be like a exercise that you'd recommend to someone to start out that could be something of the healing arts that could be uh, martial arts what what do you what would be your go to recommendation for for someone who's looking to incorporate something into the routine but can't actually get to a dojo or can't get to somewhere that would facilitate that
1: uh yoga sun salute is one of my favorite things um i i love it all day because that's everything if people want to do hand balancing push-ups stretching it's all there um uh that's probably i think one of the better things and you know, uh it te- it'll teach you to open your spine up a little bit and then and then just push up sit up and squat um, that's kind of why I like the, my five elements of practice. It's a pushup, sit up and squat. And I teach you to do it in five different ways and look at it in five different ways. And so you'll get stretching, conditioning, cardio, meditation. It's all there. And so w- what I tell people is like, you really know everything you need to know. You just have to learn how to bring the different lenses into it to look at it different ways. Like everyone knows everything. This is our problem. You know, we have this stupid internet here. Everyone knows everything but we haven't taken the time to slow down and integrate it into our lives. So that's what I would tell most people. Um, a little bit of quiet time, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like breathe and count, you know, try to go in four, hold four, exhale four, and then try to make it as soft. And you want to relax your body to the point where the breath is allowed into the body. You're not, you're not drawing it in, right? You're just allowing. And um, that's another thing I would say. And you saying that, it reminds me, like, I'm stoked because uh, I have in this room right behind me, um, I built, I'm building what's called the Matt Lucas Living Room Simulator. Because <laughs> I don't really have a living room. <laughs> I have a dojo. Like, if I run through the wall in front of me, there's a dojo. And if I run through the wall behind me, it's kind of a functional fitness room. And it was also my music workshop, right? And then I live upstairs. And then the room I'm in here is like my meditation healing arts room and welcome to my apartment. Um, So, and then I have a garden out front. Um, But that room back there, so many people have been like, how do I do this work in a small space? And I'm like, I'll build it and I'll film it. Let's help you out. I'm putting it out next week. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. But yeah, I would just say a yoga sun salute.
0: Yoga sun salute. um,
1: yeah. The other thing that I, and it's not just because I made it, but um, I made two courses. One is called the, I'm um, oh, sorry, three courses and it's made for this. Um, I put out one called the five elements of practice, which is just teaching people how to practice. And that's what I mean. Three things, do them five different ways. There's your world. And then I did another one called the Silk Road conditioning set, which is a conditioning set done in a small space. And it's like from a 5,000 year old tradition, which is still hands down the most efficient way to get strong like if you look at the iranian wrestling team they're still undefeated they've been undefeated for like six or seven years there's not a not a more efficient way to get powerful so uh, that silk road conditioning set is is a lot of their work without the big heavy club swinging because you have to own those and then the other one that i put out was uh the 32 piece qigong which is this qigong set that the guy from india brought to the monks but when he was traveling, other cultures picked it up. So it's like one exercise, but it will be done with weights and then seated and then as a stretch. And then, as, you know, but so it's like showing you this one exercise, but how you can take that one exercise and turn it into a world. And then, and so it's that eight times. So um, because those eight exercises, just like shelter in place, where legend has it, I don't know if you know the story of Kung Fu, but is this guy from India. He kind of walked over to China and he did these eight exercises in a cave. He was shelter in place. Um, <laughs> and he did those exercises daily for nine years. He told the monks, he laughed at the monks because they were imbalanced because they did what we do on Instagram or on a, po- or on a podcast. They read like one chapter of a book and it said, the key to enlightenment is sitting down and meditating. So for like a hundred years, China would sit and meditate, right? Because they didn't read the rest of the book <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't dive in. And so then this guy goes and hears about these monks and he goes there and checks them out. And he's like, you guys are all sick. You're supposed to move around. You can't walk. You're in pain. And they're like, yeah, but we, he's like, dude, no, no, no. So he goes into this cave and he does these exercises, right? And then the monks want to learn it. And he's like "I'll." And his quote, the translation is, I'll teach you when the snow rains red. And so like after nine years, finally a monk like cuts his arm off to sacrifice his arm, Jesus story, right? Um, cuts his arm off, sacrifices his arm for the other monks to be able to learn these exercises, right? And um, this, it, the snow outside was red. So he taught the monks. And that's why the, the monks they bow with their one hand. You know, they go, you know, it's to ah, say right, thank you to simulate
0: them yeah. not having yeah. this. Ah, yep. makes, sense. makes
1: yep. sense. And um, and these are those exercises, but done in all these different ways that I've learned from all these different systems. Yeah. So I really like that course.
0: Um, um where can they be found? Are you able to tell us? Yeah, just
1: go to uh, totalbswellness.com and you can just click on the store and just it's called thirty-two piece qigong flight. And um, then there's all the, all the courses are there, or you can just sign up. It's like, I'm have, you know, it's like, I, 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 I have the premium membership, you know, cause this is these, these courses have gotten a lot of people cause I I made that one for um, I sent it out to, it was with the, you're familiar with the matrix. Yes. I was working. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was um, doing some stuff with the matrix when they were filming out here. And then um, a lot of those guys became dear friends. And so I sent, I was sending them these courses when they, they went off to f- finish filming, but they all got shoved into hotel rooms because of shelter in place. But everyone needs to stay in shape. So I was like sending them Silk Road conditioning, Qigong, you know, because they need to stay flexible and strong. Yeah, so.
0: So that's how they were born.
1: Yeah, that's, they, Um, yeah. I mean, most of the things that I do are because like these conversations I have with people and they're like, I'm trapped, <laughs> you know, yeah. or like, oh my God, I got to, you know, and I'm like, you need to calm down, you know, so I, I'll make it for you, you know? And so I'm always open to like hearing what people like, you know, just what you said, like, what is an exercise? So I, I'm putting out a set right now, how to get strong and flexible at the same time. Cause I don't like stretching and I don't like working out. So like, <laughs> I got
0: to do it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. You're, you're, you're solving a solution that is very contemporary to the moment as well with everyone, with everyone, yeah. obviously over, over the world, having similar problems, not having access to the same things that they previously would have and I love yeah that. what
1: are you doing for training right now
0: uh, so i I play football or soccer and mm-hmm. um, so that's that stopped last week we mm-hmm. were playing we were playing for quite a while because we had an exemption for professional sport although oh yeah. it's, i'm not a I'm not a like pro athlete but for some reason our league structure was deemed to be a pro setup, so we had an exemption. Oh. So we've I done that for like three times a week. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, meditating. I like to obviously that's not training, but meditation something that I, I honestly I love it so much. It's something that opened my eyes to a lot of diff, like opened my eyes to myself. To be honest, that's what opened my eyes to learned a lot about myself just by sitting down and doing nothing like literally it, it's, it's it's so potent oh yeah it's oh, crazy yeah yeah yep. um but i that's that's pretty much i've yoga is something that i've been really wanting to, to try because i feel like yoga is something that goes hand in hand with what uh, football which is my passion as well flexibility is a must for for football, preventing injuries, playing yeah. to your max maximum um, capacity, and I feel like I need yoga is something I need. I'm I'm declaring it here now, Matt. I'm gonna really learn the skill, the art of yoga. I'm gonna I'm gonna for, for my you.
1: um saying thank you for your time. I, when we're when we wrap this up, um, like sometime either this week or next, I'll take you let's do a zoom yoga session and i'll get you started i would love i mean because to be your age in where you are and in where your mind is at i'm a big fan you're killing it thank yeah. you bro i appreciate and that. you're doing such a such a i mean uh, hearing like scottish jocks talking about <laughs> meditation i mean come on
0: that's the coolest thing in the world it's the coolest <laughs> thing yeah is that an american's wet dream
1: it's, it's amazing, <laughs> man. I mean, cause it's like it, because we need more people. I tell, I tell people we need more people that are, um, in more mainstream things talking like it's funny how, you know, I was saying like, for some reason, you know, we think like breathing was reserved for yogis or Chinese dudes, you know, but it's like, no, everyone breathes. Everyone needs a clear mind. Right. Everyone like, and, and then we talk about like positive visualization on how it's just like this hippie kind of woo woo thing. Yet when you're um, in sports, it's take a second, visualize it, making the goal. It's like, no, 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 no. It's everywhere. Every culture has been saying it. Every human being that you know, succeeds is doing this. Focus on solutions and contribution, not fears. You know, all the, it's universal laws. And like for you to be like seeking this and actually sharing this out where you're at. I mean, come on, that's yeah. However I can support.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'd love to get on a zoom and, and learn the ways that learn the, learn the art from you. Um, My favorite
1: thing. thing in the world to do is to watch soccer or football players deal with their hamstrings, quads and calves. <laughs>
0: I don't think we do it enough, to be honest. I don't think we do it enough. It's the fight of your life. It is. It literally <laughs> is, Matt. It so is. It's so. Is. I'll,
1: I'll, I'll show you ways to where you don't lose power or you don't lose that, you know, that, that resiliency. Because, like, sometimes if you can, if you stretch too much, you know, you kind of, you know, we're always trying to do them both at the same time. So I'll show you ways to, like really, really, really like still keep your springiness and you know.
0: Yeah. That's I love do. that. I appreciate that. So Matt, where, where can people find you Um social medias? You've, you've lost your website. If you could tell us more about where people could find you, keep up to date with you and see where you're at. Yeah. So you can, um, if you
1: uh, search total BS stands for total balancing sequence, but, or a total bullshit wellness, cause it's all bullshit. <laughs> if you're not practicing and if you're not showing up. So you can go to totalbswellness.com or you can do Instagram, Total BS Wellness, and even YouTube, Total BS Wellness. Um, I do some free things for people there, um, talks and things like that. And if you want to just search me, uh, you can go to The Matt Lucas and that's either on Instagram or themattlucas.com. Yeah. And I have a lot of things um, on those sites. You know, it's like I have a, you know, I, I write and I have my music. Like if you wanted to, here, this album that I put out before I went away to into the Badlands, you can search on Spotify. Big ending, and the album is called Fading Out. Um, that album, I, I I just remembered that I made it, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm actually a fan of the a fan of the record. I totally forgot about that record because I did it, and then instantly I'm you know off doing stunts. So you know, there's that.
0: Yeah, nice. Everything you just mentioned will be listed in the podcast description. So. If anyone wants to check that out, go down to the description, make sure you're keeping up to date with Matt, as obviously he knows his stuff, as we've all heard this podcast (laughs) session. Um, And just to finish us off, Matt, what is an empowering piece of advice that you give to uh, your students or what's an empowering piece of advice that someone has given to you? Um, one of
1: the rules that I always live by is, well, the, you know, nature never hurries and accomplishes everything. But the other one that I always say is, um, uh, there's a, there's a rule in the Persian world and it says, there's no truth according to you. You're according to the truth. And that's important. So we're always trying to, because the rule in art is like what's going on in your head, what you think is going to happen, what you hope is going to happen and what actually happens. And the better you get and the more you practice the gaps close right and so what we're trying to do is be according to the truth that's really happening and uh, that's important is are you strong enough to experience the truth because that's the path to power but the path to like uh corruption and fear is not strong enough to experience the truth
0: yeah well said matt i love that i love that uh so once again, mate, thanks for, for taking the time out of your day to, to do this. I learned so much for you and I look forward to getting on another Zoom call and trying out some uh, some of your, your yoga sessions. I'm really excited for that.
1: Oh, i I got you, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> My no. brother I appreciate that. So I'll not hold you back any longer, Matt. Thanks again for your time. Dude,
1: thank you. And um before we uh Yeah, um hit me up so we can set this whole thing up because I'd love to share this stuff with you.
0: I got you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate your time. Cheers. See ya. That's it. Podcast over. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. It's all appreciated. And until next time, people, see ya.